Hello and welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. Today we're joined by a guy who, in a short time, Charlie, has become somewhat of a legend. A Paul Bunyan-type character in Nashville, helped out, I think, greatly by Chris Mesa on the broadcast, right? Yeah, absolutely. And a guy who... This is the la- the guy who was. This is a little known trivia question that you might not even know the answer to, Aaron. The last guy who we were about to have on this podcast before the world shut down before COVID. I did not uh, know that. Yeah, yeah, it sure was. Did not know uh, that. Yeah. Well, he's a former admiral and now Nashville Predators forward Matthew Olivier. Maddie, Maddie, it's good to talk to you. Thanks for doing this. How's everything going? Good to talk to you guys. Uh, everything's going well. Um, even though I'm sidelined for now, I can't complain for most of the stuff I've been going through daily. So, uh, going good. I heard Chris Mason call you the Biloxi Bull. And I, I, part of me wanted to say, you lived in Biloxi maybe three months of your life. But yeah. at, the same, at the same time, it, it has caught on. And it's amazing what a television broadcaster can do when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, well... Um, yeah, I think it, it, it's cool because obviously my, my dad with his career and my parents, uh, including my mom, they, they really wanted me to be American, uh, at least to have dual citizenship, you know, it gives, opens up more opportunities. And even through that, my own kids and my future wife, you know, they can get citizenship. So that was the main focus, but, um, it is funny that the, the place that I was born in was so oblivious to hockey players and barely any hockey players come out of there that you know I'm the first one to play and then Chris Mason you know texted me he's like hey I'm I'm calling you the Biloxi Bull do you mind and I'm like oh (laughs) I don't mind at all I I like the bull part and if you want to add the Biloxi I mean that's uh that's uh no problem with me so yeah it is uh it's pretty cool it's actually, you lived, you lived kind of a, a migrant lifestyle with your dad playing hockey in the minor leagues. I mean, in Mississippi, and you probably spent most of your time in Oklahoma City. I mean, you were a baby, maybe up to two, three years old when you were there. But uh, it's it's really amazing that you have really spent your entire life, literally spent your entire life around pro hockey. Yeah, um, I think. The first time I went into a room, my dad brought me in. I was like three weeks old or something like that. <laughs> Just for him, you know, he really wanted me to be around the game early and, and really live through that. And and I remember just, you know, whether Oklahoma's kind of iffy in, in my memories, but I remember Houston and, and Manitoba, um, Connecticut when he played for New Haven and uh, mostly Germany as well. I remember just being around you know, the, the guys in the room just, you know, running around and seeing guys tape their sticks or lace up their skates or just, you know, small things that, you know, growing up, I try to emulate when I started playing. Yeah. So I would tape my sticks like my dad or I would lace my skates like this guy that I saw. Like, it was just like small things that I, I was really kind of fortunate to be around. And I have a small, I have a small world type thing with your dad. Your dad and I, are just a few months apart birthday-wise. Um, but you mentioned playing in Connecticut and New Haven. A, a guy I went to high school with was a teammate of your dad's. I've told you this before, and I actually told your dad that uh, a couple of years ago when I met him. But they were teammates in New Haven, which is pretty cool. But then to throw on top of that these small world type of things, and we've discussed this before, but when you were in Oklahoma, 
you were, your family was taken in by your future teammate, Matt Donovan. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I don't know if that story in pro hockey it's, and being a small world type of thing is ever going to get topped. No, like that's not just a small world thing in hockey. That is anything. That's a one right? in a million. That is thing, a one no. in a million thing. And I mean, it's one of those things that you, you're going to have to tell this, but people don't believe it. Right. Like it's, it is literally unbelievable that this could happen. Yeah. That, it was, it was crazy. So, and, and, you know, that's another thing that we can actually blame it on Biloxi for happening and credit Biloxi because if my dad didn't have that tryout, you know, this would never have happened. So what happened was we, our family had been in Oklahoma for a year and um, uh, my dad got a tryout in the East coast league. He was in the central league at that time. And um, my family could, you know, my mom and my sister couldn't follow uh, to the tryout, you know, cause the guys are in the hotel and um, you know, few other reasons so uh we were looking for a place to stay in the meantime in oklahoma and sure enough um maddie's dad uh larry is the uh manager for the uh practice rink of the blazers and still call the blazers uh practice facility i think and uh, so you know word gets around the team and so they offer my mom and my sister you know you guys can come live with us you know we have a spot in the attic um uh, and uh, you guys can help around, you know, my mom could help around with the house, the kids and, you know, cooking or whatever they needed. So that was kind of the deal. And my mom was pregnant with me at, at the time as well. And, um, you know, my sister recalls like really well playing with Matt and his sister and, you know, that part. So, uh, yeah, years later, we signed the same year we signed an AHL deal with Milwaukee. And we get to camp and I look at the roster and I see Edmond, Oklahoma. And I'm like, Oklahoma, really? And I, I was young, so I didn't know Edmond was basically Oklahoma City as well. Right, suburb. You know, Maddie sees that too. And he's like, really? Like, okay. Like, and it was Matt's mom that texted my mom and, you know, connected the dots. And then my mom just absolutely lost it. She was like, <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. So the first conversation that I had with Matt was, can you, can you even believe this? Like, this is insane. So we didn't know each other, but we kind of did at the same time. It was, it was pretty cool. So your mom, real quick, your, your mothers, respective mothers, they kept in touch to some degree over the years. Uh, I think, yeah, I think Maddie's mom reached out to my mom on Facebook because, you know, they, you know, like social media is recent. So my mom, you know, met so many, you know, people over the years that, You know, when you're trying to find people from the past, you know, maybe, I don't know if it eluded her or whatever, but Maddie's mom reached her, uh, reached out to her. And, and then obviously, as soon as she saw the name, she clicked like, hey, I know I remember Catherine. And yeah. uh, and so uh, that's how it all started. But that's yeah, since then, they've been keeping in touch, obviously. But yeah. yeah. And I just it's just so it's it is so mind boggling that something like that could happen. Uh, and I should also want to make a quick note about Larry Donovan, uh, the oldest rookie ever to play in the CHL because he managed the rink. I don't know if you've ever heard this story. He managed the rink and they were short guys one weekend. So they said, Hey, we need you to play. We got it. We, we need you to play. So he played three games as like a 36 or a 37 year old rookie with two kids and the central hockey league, as I'm sure your dad would tell you was a little bit of a rough and tumble league. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
to go uh, to go play in there. His uh, his favorite thing to say to me is that I'm tougher than he is, but he's crazier. <laughs> and, and he he cred, credits that the the CHL and the ECHL. He said basically half the team every night was fighting. Right. And my dad was a smaller guy, but he had to do some things maybe out of the box to stay in there and, and hang around. So he he always says to me, like I just said, like, yeah, you're tough and you're big, but you, you'd never follow me around. I was crazy. And so uh, <laughs> and, that, and that's the thing. Like you compare the two. What's 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 scarier, tough or crazy? I, I, yeah. I think it's hands down. It's crazy. Well, I personally believe I'm as crazy as he is. So <laughs> just, you just haven't snapped yet. Yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't know that because in, in today's day and age, I can't, I can't go too far. So <laughs> I haven't had a chance to prove it, but he's uh, yeah. He still clings on to that little part where, you know, he acknowledges that I'm probably the better hockey player, but you know, he still has that over me. So I just let him have it. Uh, you know? How awesome was it for him and talk about coming full circle for him, for you, him to take you into a rink at three weeks old. And then he comes to visit you your rookie year and is, and is coming into our room where you're playing. And like he was living, I mean, he had a good time. Let's just say he had a good time when he came to visit us. Right. So, yeah. Um, so the first year we did the dad strip, he couldn't come. Right. Uh, and I brought my, my uncle and, and he never played high hockey, I think past high school like this was all new to him and it was awesome but and the second time around we I bring my dad because this time he could come and I was fresh uh I think just before the trip the day before uh he still has uh he still had his ticket booked for the dad's trip and I got called down uh sent down to Milwaukee so uh got on a plane got here and I've always throughout the years like I've asked him like tell me some good stories like I need, I need to hear some stuff from the nineties. Like, how was it? How different is it from today? And he's always like, I can't remember anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then as soon as he walked in the room, it's like something clicked and everything came back to him and he just started spilling these stories. And then he was with other pro hockey dads, like, like Tenorti's dad and all that. Mm-hmm. And then it was just, he had a fun time and I loved seeing it. Like it was good for him, you know, and then it was fun for me to, make him live through those years, like kind of through me. It's weird that when you get to that stage with your dad, when you share an an occupation, when you share a job and then you're still a young man, but then like, that's about the time you guys become peers sort of, which it's a strange time in a young person's life when they become peers with their parents. Yeah. It's yeah. It's awesome. I mean, I couldn't ask for a better relationship with my dad. Uh, like we, we can just talk about, we can talk about anything, but we could talk hockey for hours. Yeah. And do you, do, do you do that? Do you, cause I, I, and in a specific, not in a general sense, like, Hey, the Canadians, man, they're really scuffling. But do you talk to him after games about how you played? Does he give you critiques? Cause we talk to a lot of guys that say, Listen, my dad coached me my whole life, but now that I'm a pro, I don't want the input anymore. Let's yeah. get away from this. Let's not talk about this. Let's just go have a beer. Uh, I think it's more not that he gives me input, but I could also I can talk to him about what goes on. Right. And, and we both yeah, came to knows. an understanding that 
You know, I don't need another coach at this point. Right. He's more like a guy that's been through it that can kind of understand the day-to-day and also kind of stretches through your career. So we both, I mean, I can call him one night and say like, ah, you know, today I didn't, I didn't think I was great. And he'll be like, well, he won't say like, oh, this wasn't bad. This wasn't great. And he'll just be like, well, did you watch video? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, what'd you see? And he's like, all right, well, next game, just be better at that. Be better. Yeah. It's not, it's not this in-depth analysis thing. It's more like just, you know, it'll casually run into our talks here, you know, here and then. So. And he does coach still, right? He, he is coaching. Yeah. Yeah. He's involved in junior A, uh, well, it's called junior AAA in, in Quebec, but it's junior A and he's involved with, uh, with an expansion team there. He's been the GM and coach for the past three years. And he's also involved with the um, traveling teams um, from Peewee to Midget. So he's kind of like the director of operations there. So he, he uh, selects the players, runs the teams, and he's involved in a few other things. And then also we, we have our own hockey school in the summer that lasts about two weeks. So. And do you see yourself, I mean, you're a young man who's just started his career, but do you see yourself as a coach uh, when you're done? Yeah. Yeah. I think it could be an option. Um, I'm already kind of coaching through the camps and right. I like it. I'm just not there yet. I like playing. Of course. Yeah. Uh, I can do it for two weeks, but after the two weeks, I'm like, all right, get me back to playing here. Uh, not that I don't <laughs> like it, but it's, I'm not there just yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it could be something I look into in the future. So go ahead, Aaron. Oh, I go ahead. You go ahead. I was yeah. Gonna... I mean, let's, let's talk about you as a player, right? Like you came out of juniors, uh, not drafted. And so you need to sign. And uh, uh, by the way, I, I, that's where I was going to start with three teams with in three different teams so right? in, in the Quebec major league, I should say in, in juniors. So traded and all of that stuff. I mean, as a kid, how difficult is that to, to go through something, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old to go through something like that? Well, I think obviously me being around the game kind of helped and having that kind of entourage around me, like really helped through everything. Um, and I was drafted in Moncton and Moncton's like seven hours away from home, which if you look at the Western league, it's not far at all. Right. Seven uh, hours is a, is a cakewalk in the West. Yeah, area. exactly. It's, it's almost the closest team for some guys, but for me, like seven hours was pretty far for the queue. And, um, you know, I, I had a amazing billet family that, you know, became family. You know, sometimes you get billet families, some players, they, they can't wait to get out of there for different reasons. But for me, I was fortunate throughout my whole career that to have amazing billet families and um, yeah, Moncton just kind of, it went great as a 16 year old and they, they saw me as a leader, you know, later on. And, and then the 17 year old year came and I just kind of had like some sort of sophomore jinx. I wasn't really playing well. And, and then the team was doing really good. We were first in the league and, and then Shawinigan was, you know, building, building a team around guys, my age. So Bovillier, uh, Sam Gerard that was drafted here, yeah. uh, just to name a few. I think we, eventually had 20 guys on that team that played pro and they needed a guy in my style to compliment all those guys. And they, they got me as a halfway through my 17 year old year. And then as a 20, she went against cycle was kind of done and they were rebuilding and Sherbrooke needed a guy like me. So that's how I kind of ended up playing for three teams um, throughout my junior career. The, uh, well, I, 
I've heard a lot that junior teams will like do that. They'll come to a cycle. They have these guys and then they will actually come to you to the player and say, Hey, we're not going to be very good. This is your last year. Do you want to, we'll, we'll trade you if you want. Do you want to be traded? Does that, did, did that happen to you at all? Uh, yes and no. I think, yeah, after my 19 year old year, Schwinnigan, you know, our window was done. Yeah. You know, most of the guys were gone and, and we had lost Beauvillier at 19 years old to the NHL. And then the year after we lost Gerard at 19 years old right. to the NHL. So that's two of our most impactful players that are just gone. Right. So we, we still had a great team. We finished, I think, first and second or second and third, something like that in the league. And so our window was done after those two years. And we had a cup run, lost in the finals and everything. And they asked me, they said, well, you know, how do you see next year? And I plain said, like, you know, I don't mind staying here and being a mentor to these new guys. But, right. you know, I also want to advance my own career. And so sure. if you guys don't see me in, in some sort of advanced offensive role for this year, which wasn't my role throughout my junior career, it's like, if you guys don't see yourselves giving me a chance on power plays and first two lines, then I'd rather go somewhere else. Right. And I think they just got some good offers and taking that into account then. I eventually went to Sherbrooke. Because obviously that would never happen in the NHL unless you are, unless it's Ray Bork, right? Like yeah. uh, it, that would never, like you would never find a guy asking, well, hey, do you want to go? Would you like to move? And obviously it's different between, a, you know, playing in major juniors and playing in the NHL. So uh, how did you end up with Nashville? Well, when you get to Sherbrooke, is that when the, when the interest starts? Can you score 27 goals in Sherbrooke? Yeah. No, no, it actually started before it started the year. Uh, well, it's, it starts way back. It, it credit goes to JP Glaude, which is the Nashville scout for Quebec. He's the one that brought in Carrier and, yeah. and Richie and all those guys. So met JP. He, I think we met him in, uh, in, when we were in Laval a couple of years ago, I believe. Exactly, right? Yeah. He was, yeah, 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 he was there. So JP at the time he drafted me in Moncton. Um, oh. cause my, my midget year, I, didn't have a good year and you know there's a few reasons behind that I won't I won't get into that but um so I ended up like kind of going under the radar and he's the only one that kind of saw something in me and saw my attitude and work ethic and what I could do as you know as I developed through the years and so he drafted me in Moncton then he gets the job in Nashville so my 18 year old year we're in Shawinigan. We make a cup run. You know, we lose in the finals to Ruin Naranda. And I, I had really good playoffs. I had a good season overall. And he's the one that kind of pushed Nashville like, hey, you guys should send this guy an invite for a rookie camp. So after my 18-year-old year, I go to rookie camp. Uh, had a decent camp. I mean, probably not ready for anything yet. But, you know, I did some good things. Then I come back my 19-year-old year. And I think at that point, Nashville kind of kept tabs and it went a little bit higher than JP and somewhere else in the organization, they kind of looked. So they invited me again to rookie camp that I had a really good rookie camp that time, like really good. And then throughout my 20 year old year, which when I left that rookie camp, I came back to play. Then they offered me the AHL contract. Yeah. There used to be something in in baseball with the draft. There used to be something called a draft and follow. 
And while you weren't drafted, it kind of seems like that's what was going on with you. Like they right. bring you in and keep tabs on you now because they, you're a known commodity. I never had the impression that I was just kind of some throwing, you know, right. um, that they were genuinely. Impressed. Kinda, yeah. yeah and, and they drafted Gerard. And so uh, Scott Nickel came to Shawinigan one time and um, he worked with Gerard, but he also worked with me because he, he knew me from camp and he, you know, he was, you know, it kind of worked that way as well. So, and that's, that, that time Scooter came to Shawinigan, it was funny. We kind of talk about it sometimes. It was just like, the things that he saw and, and, you know, went through to get the Shawinigan was, it was funny. Uh, yeah. He, he saw a few practices, how it worked and you guys can ask him about that. He, he's going to tell you. But in, when you're in Shawinigan, is it, how French is the, how French is it there? Right. Is it everybody? Is it all French speak? It's nothing but French speaking. Cause Carr uh, Carrier told us like where, when he played and I can't even remember where he played, uh, that there was a lot of English going on, but like Freddie Allard, he came, did, was Freddie in, uh, uh, no, he was in, uh, what's that? He was in Shikudami. He was in Shikudami and it was nothing like that was deep in the heart of French country. Oh yeah. That's, you can't get more French than that. Is that right? So that, that, how, that how about for you in Shawinigan? It, it was pretty French. There was an English high school in town and it was kind of a working I don't know if it was the mining or factories or anything like that, but there were some English communities around, but the whole town, the whole area was very French. And, uh, well, it's, it's basically where Richie's from. She went okay. 20 minutes away from three rivers. Got so, it. um, so yeah, it's, it's really French and, but the team operated in English, but everyone was French. So it was think about French. the thickest French accent you can find. And that's how everybody talks in the organization. <laughs> so tell us, you've explained this to us before, but explain why. So if we, if we, if we have Fred Allard or, or any of the other Frenchies on, like when they speak English, they sound French, but you, you have a very uh, anglicized, anglicized, if that's a word, uh, English the way you talk so why is it different for you than it is but then you could obviously you're fluent in French and you switch into French and, and it sounds perfectly normal normal in, in quotes so yeah. why is that uh well I learned English before French by living in the states right um so I I picked it up there and then when we moved back to Quebec like nobody talked English our whole families are French like my friends were French so I really just became immersed in the French. And at one point I, I remember my, my grandma um, told my mom, like, he's got to talk French. He won't talk French. Like I couldn't speak well. And I picked it up right away. Sure. Um, and then to stay good in English, well, I, I just watched English TV. So that was it for a while. And then once uh, I went to Moncton, which is a city that's bilingual, pretty much down the middle, 50 50 yeah. and I, I you know I had a French billet family but everything worked in English so I kind of you know I always stayed around both languages in that sense and my uh my dad and my sister and my mom we'd, we'd always try to talk a few days a week in English at home just to you know stay on top of it yeah how was do you, uh, do you speak German do you speak any German I did I did mm-hmm. and so yeah uh, when we moved there I learned fast because I was 
born. I did kindergarten in, in Germany. I remember that really well. And I played ho organized hockey. And I think over there, it starts at eight or nine years old. And I was like four or five. And they took me in the team and I played a little bit. And so recently, you know, they, everybody was telling me you were the first one to learn it. So I was four or five and my dad would say, hey, you know, over there, there's no superstores or anything like that. It's still, there's the baker, there's the butcher and know all that so he would send me to get some bread and some food and all that like he'd be like hey go ask him this and apparently i did it <laughs> you're the only because you're the only one that could that could that could do it to pick it yeah. up yeah at that point and i i barely remember this uh um but and then i kind of i was kind of like ah, okay like maybe i did talk but i wasn't that great and then recently i saw a home video of for some, I'm in my hockey gear. I'm in the, you know, the hockey room and I'm with German kids all around me and I'm holding the camera, you know, all over the place and you can hear me talk and I'm talking English and I'm like, I, I don't even remember how to talk German. And I was talking German, like fluent, like it was coming out. Like, like so nothing. It's crazy. I, I've been meaning for years to pick it up uh, again, like doing some sort of Rosetta Stone or whatever, but or you, you could talk to Aaron's daughter, who's going to the German immersion school, right? Yeah, gotta, and she's four years old, so yeah, we can we can get that, make that happen. Yeah. Yeah, she could be my teacher. There you go. Probably be better than me. She's uh, she's she likes to think she's a good tutor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, it finally comes that you get the contract with Milwaukee. Um, you you'd been to Predators camp. When you sign an AHL deal, is it disappointing? Is it? I mean, you, you know the Nashville situation, you know, do, do they explain that this is sort of a, a guarantee, but not a guarantee that an NHL deal is, is in the offings, anything like that? Or is it just straight uh, up, here's no. the deal and that's it? No, no, not really. There's, it's tough to think back on it because it's so different from now and, and uh, thinking about what transpired in the first few years of my career, but um i remember when i signed i was i think three hours before i committed to the, the university of toronto because okay. you know i was it was in february and wow. season was over i was you know i was basically through um my yeah. career and i was so trying to plan yourself like you had resigned yourself that maybe pro hockey or at least the nhl wasn't going to happen no, I didn't. There are Joel Wards. There are guys who have done gone. Randy Greggs. There are guys who have obviously gone the university. Yeah, it's it's doable. Um, and my my dad went through CIS as well. Um, okay. so I just I I committed in the sense that if I'm going to CIS, I'm going there. Yeah. Um, they, I remember talking about it with my dad, and he was like, "Well, uh, I didn't play for a top tier program, but I was the best player there." And that's how I got noticed. And I remember meeting, I met with McGill, Concordia, like a few yeah. universities. And I remember the University of Toronto, they were saying, well, we're rebuilding and we're starting over. And we want you first line with this guy from the OHL that scored, I don't know how many goals. And it was really a better fit for me. And I felt really good committing to there. Yeah. So I, the one day, I, I think it was my birthday, actually, on February 11th. And, and I remember this vividly because three days before I scored a hat trick and fought in a game. And I remember thinking to myself, if this doesn't do it for me, then nothing will. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the, thinking about it. And, um, 
so yeah, I commit to the University of Toronto and it's kind of like, well, all right, you know, I got this settled. So let's keep working for an AHL deal. And then three hours later, my agent calls me. He's like, well, get or an NHL deal, whatever. And he's like, well, you got an AHL deal on, on the table. And so uh, talking it through with my family, I took it right away because I wanted to play pro hockey no matter what. Yeah. And I knew it wasn't going to be a straight line, uh, you know, right off the bat. So, yeah, that, that's kind of how it transpired. But what's crazy is you knew it wasn't going to be a straight line, but it got pretty close to a straight line. I mean, you came in and did what you needed to do and the, took care of business. And, I mean, it. your story is – is pretty amazing how quickly you earned the NHL deal and how quickly you were making your NHL debut from committing to Toronto. Yeah, it is months it, before back on it. It happened really fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think, yeah. Go ahead, Charlie. I was just going to say, I, I, and I apologize for interrupting, but I clearly remember your first exhibition game uh, in Milwaukee because First of all, there were no fans in the stands, and I just thought it was the weirdest thing in the world. Against even Chicago, though, right? Yeah, against Chicago yeah. because they couldn't play at their building; it was being I renovated. Sorry about this. Yeah, yeah, and so we play here with no fans. Like, and obviously, look what's happened in the last year. There's all sorts of games with no fans, and you get into a fight with Garrett Ross, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. And and he doesn't know that you're a lefty, but you and you start off throwing rights and. I mean, no offense to Garrett, but he's not in your class from a, uh, at that point and gave him a pretty good dusting. <laughs> and then uh, can I, he, can I tell you about that fight real quick? I was at the game with my daughter. My, my, my wife was working and my daughter was two and she was running around the arena while I was watching the game. And I was right at center ice and that fight happened right near the red line, right at center ice. Yeah. My daughter lost her mind. She started crying. She was so scared. She did not want the big guy to come get her. Oh. And, and, and we had to leave. We but left. But she's a, what she didn't I'm tell sorry, you. She was a big Garrett Ross fan. <laughs> that's okay. That's that's totally okay. We had a long talk about it, and we've we've talked about it a few times actually since. But yeah, it's it's yeah, that's my story with that. What? Well, but then Garrett Ross ends up getting signed to Milwaukee yeah. on a on a uh, a tryout deal a little bit later. Yeah. And you know, uh, like obviously you remember that, and uh, I'm sure you the two of you chatted about that. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe you did. I don't know. So I remember the fight really well and I don't usually remember the fights at all it's it's kind of I can remember every detail in the game pretty well but fights the I just kind of they just kind of black out and I got to watch on video after that's the crazy in you yeah yeah that's it <laughs> right yeah, yeah so uh I remember that fight really well because I remember Garrett Garrett's a lefty He's the, he's the lefty. So I was throwing okay. rights and then he ducked a right that I threw, went straight under and then came back with a left and popped me. Boom. Right in the mouth. And in the fight, he hit me and I just kind of, what I remember is I just started wailing and just being like, okay, I got popped. Like I got to get back from this. And then Garrett signs. And uh, I knew he was cut, but I didn't know that right. you know, he got cut like pretty bad like he was open like like double digit stitches yeah right and um so he signs and then we meet and you know obviously the handshake comes with a little bit of a laugh like 
hey man like nice to meet you whatever. Yeah, sorry about that and then um so he goes he goes man like i hit you with everything i had and you didn't even move and that's when i remember when he told me that that's when i kind of realized like okay like maybe maybe i got a shot at this you know like right being you know in that role yeah because uh, in juniors i got in fights and i did really well but i never really got hit you know like yeah. hit hard and and it's so different in juniors too because once you get to the pros and you're older for as a rookie because you played your overage year uh but you're fighting men as opposed to in juniors where it's men to boys to men yeah yeah exactly the, i remember um i wanted to get into it as fast as i could because i remember thinking okay i know i can throw but can i take a punch right and uh sure enough i i i figured out that I could. Um, and that's probably the crazy in me because I've got, I've, I've gotten tagged a few times and that's when I told, I tell my dad, like, you don't know, maybe, maybe I got something that's sick. <laughs> maybe I've got that. But yeah. Maybe I'm just lucky so far too. I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I remember that moment really well because that's, that was kind of a click in me when Garrett told me that, that, okay, maybe, I, maybe you, I know what I'm doing. You, know? you kind of, uh, you disprove there's a great, quote attributed to mike tyson that says everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth yeah. and i think it's it's there, there's so much truth to that but obviously you you've you got to did okay there's there are certain vocations where uh that's part of the, that's part of the job yeah yeah exactly and i never felt like i had to do it you know to succeed but or or yeah, let me rephrase that. I never felt like it was imposed on me. Yeah. Or that it was something that, you know, that was my job. Yeah. Right. Just that. But I always knew as a player that when I did it, it brought so much more to the rest of my game. Whether it was more space on the ice, whether it was confidence, whether it was added value, uh, whether it was momentum shifts for the team. Like it, it did it added so much positive to my game that at some point I realized like, okay, this is part of my game and that's never going to change. Is it different throwing hands in the American league as opposed to the NHL? Are fights different? I, I, I didn't, well, well, it depends, like depends who you're fighting and all that, but uh, no, I think essentially it's. Oh, okay. So that you may have just answered it right there. NHL is more, I mean, AHL players have reputation. Certainly there are players in the American hockey league that, but, but maybe you have more experience now and it's, it's different perhaps, or you, you, you know, guys that have the reputation and that job is theirs. Like you said, you'd have, you've never felt like it had to be your job, but there are guys that that is their job. Less yeah. and less, but there, that I think is... there's more guys like that in the AHL that that is their job. Yeah, so more in the AHL than the NHL. Yeah, so those guys are absolute maniacs. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. And you got to keep up with them. Whereas in the NHL, you got guys that are extreme, as tough as these guys, but they can also play. But they can play. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's be, different that's... in the sense that you don't have a taker every game. Yeah, there's always someone that can do it, but you don't have a taker every game. So that's that's the big difference, I, I'd say. That falls into the where they talk about the NHL and the AHL, where it's harder to play in the AHL because it's more scrambly. It's more, you know, the the passes aren't as sharp. The all of that stuff, right? I mean, that's just 
part of part of that growth. Yeah, the the quality of of the the execution with the puck is extremely it's way faster. Um, and that's a tribute. It, they're the best players in the world. This is the best league in the world. So yeah, obviously right. the execution and the puck play is going to be better, but I think it's, it's false to assume that the AHL is slower. It's as fast. Right. For me personally, like the right. speed of the game is as fast. The execution is not, but right. it is tougher in the sense that guys, you know, they, they play such fast hockey and such tight hockey defensively and physical in that sense. I think physically that's where it could be a true statement. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your rookie year, that was uh, quite a year for the admirals. Uh, I mean, losing in overtime or a shootout in every conceivable way. Uh, it was, it was literally insane. Like I'm sure you remember the game in where we're the game in, uh, uh, Lake Erie, where we came, we were down five to two, come back to it, third period, come back to tie it at five. We've got an offensive zone draw with nine seconds left. And then we lose it. We two guys chase behind the net and then they score with like a tenth of a second left. Like insane. Yeah. But then we go on this crazy run to make the playoffs, to finish second in the division. Uh, what was that? What was your rookie season like for you? What was the being part of that team like? for you and you don't have to specifically address that stuff, but just in general, what was your adjustment to pro hockey? Like, well, my adjustment went well because, you know, coming back to earlier, I think the organization and the staff in Milwaukee deserves and, and in Nashville as well, deserves credit to reward players for what happens on the ice. So there you hear places where guys, they go there and they're like, well, I never had a chance. I never had the contract or I was depth yeah. chart. I never, I never was in front of this guy, even though I was playing better. Whereas in Nashville and, and Milwaukee, like if you stand out on the ice, they'll give you a shot yes. and they don't care about your contract or whatever happens. Like they'll make it work eventually. Right. So I credit to Carl and the coaches and, and Scooter and all the way up to David Poyle, where I came in with an AHL contract. And I was playing well and they just threw me in the, in the mix. Like I, I remember thinking and talking with my dad and my agent, like you're on an AHL deal. You might start in the East coast. You're going to have to work your way up. Right. Where I had a good camp and I was expecting myself, like, even though I have a good camp, I could possibly start in the AHL. And sure enough, I, I had a good camp and they said, no, you're, you know, right in the mix. So that adds a confidence level to you as a player that, you know, they can, you know, the, no matter the situation off ice, if on the ice is working, you can do what you're doing well and you can do it with the confidence of the people behind you. So yeah. that's what I felt right away as I came into the league. And obviously the coach, once I started playing and, and all that, like the coaches helped me tremendously with my role and how to use it in the right way and not in the, in the wrong ways and, and just kind of build off that. The, we, we've talked about this Many times, Aaron and I have both on this podcast and just in general, how that has actually changed. It used to not be that way. Uh, you know, probably seven or eight years ago, it was it was it was a call up. Okay, who's the number one draft pick? Right, we got to get him up. He's getting mad. We got to call him up. Um, and, up and play two minutes on the fourth line. And right, and, and 
And then people are disappointed that he's not producing. Why isn't our number one draft pick, you know, scoring goals? Because he wasn't put in the right, he wasn't put in an opportunity to succeed. Um, But that, that's been, that has been the exact opposite experience for you, which is awesome that even not even at the NHL level, but at the AHL level, you are put in a position to succeed with the help of the coaches. You're not just like some random, okay, he's an AHL deal. We don't even know what his name is. We don't need to worry about him. No. And I never felt that way. Like I said earlier, like even when I wasn't signed and I was just an invite, I never felt that way. I had the same meetings as the other guys and you know, the same, like you can get better in this, you're doing well in this. It was the same development curve for me. And, and so I didn't get drafted, but I was always around Nashville, whether I was a, officially a part of the organization or not. And like, they really helped me out through all of this and they gave me a shot right off the bat and, yeah, like I, I think I played well and I earned that shot, but they also gave it to me, which is sometimes what guys don't get. So right. I'm, I'm thankful for that. At, at the end of that first year, then you get your NHL deal. Almost like immediately after the season ends, you get your NHL deal. And that, what a, a relief, a reward, all of that stuff, right? Like this is this is what you wanted. Yeah, yeah. Um... I, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but I actually signed it like in January or February. It just kicked in after the season sure, sure. Um, because it was too late to kick it in now uh, at that stage of the year, I would have had to burn a year off the whole thing. Right. So what they did instead, they just readjusted my AHL deal yeah. to match what I would have made on my NHL. NHL. Deal. Yeah. And then, and then it kicked in right off. Like, I think it was May 1st, it kicked in and the wow. season ended like somewhere in April. Yeah. You actually, so, you probably don't remember this. You on a, the day of exit meetings, we always get some autographs and things like that. You told Aaron and I that day, like, Hey, I mean, I don't know if I can even tell you this, but I got an A, I got an NA cause we said, what do you, what's your plans for next year or something like that? I don't know. Yeah. Like, you guys asked me, you guys asked me what I was doing next year. Am I planning to resign or everything? I was like, well, I, I already did. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, that. Who oh, – go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say, so then, like, after the NHL deal and then you start the season in Milwaukee, but there again, it's not long until you finally make your NHL debut. So what what is that like? When you hear about it, Charlie likes to ask, and it, it, I should let Charlie ask it because it's no. his question, but, um, <laughs> but, but who tells you? How do you find out that you're going up and playing? And so, then who's your first call after you do? Yeah. Um, so, okay. This is maybe, I, I think it may, might be two or three weeks before the official call up scooter was in a practice with us. He was on the ice. And I, w- I remember I was in a line waiting for my turn, whatever. And, and I was playing well, putting up like some points too, and, you know, doing my thing. And, um, he came up to me and he's like, Hey, if you keep going, you're, you know, you might get your shot. And I remember thinking to myself, like kind of what I said earlier, like, you know, I'm not, for some reason, I thought I wasn't going to get there as fast as I did. And I knew it was going to take a while and I was expecting it to take a while. And I remember thinking to myself, like, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> th- thank you. Like, thanks for telling me I'm, I'm playing well. Yeah. Um, but I remember thinking to myself, like, yeah, probably not, you know, <laughs> like, right. Like, and then we're on this trip and we were transiting through Chicago and we were going to Iowa. And uh, 
So I get the call from Scooter. I remember I was walking towards the gate. And that was that. That was that lengthy. That was it. Started what Laval? It started yeah, Laval, Laval, Belleville, Belleville, we fly out of Toronto into Chicago, and then to Iowa, and then back to Grand Rapids. Was the exactly was, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah. So I, we were on our way to Iowa, and uh, and it was, it was like, snowing. Oh. It was snowing so bad in in Chicago, wasn't it? Didn't we? We had to spend the night. Didn't, uh, no, no, we slept in, we were delayed, but we slept in Iowa because I, I, I remember this and I can tell this now without no regrets. You'll see, you'll see where it goes. So uh, yeah. So Scooter calls me. He's like, Hey, you're coming up. Uh, we want you to practice tomorrow. I'm like, all right. Like awesome. Like losing my mind. I remember Connor Ingram was right beside me and we both saw Scott Nickel on my phone. And I remember saying to him, well, I'm either traded or I'm called up. It's one or the other. So, <laughs> Then I, I answered and it was a call up. So right away, I, uh, I call my dad. I mean, it felt yeah. like just the natural thing to, to do. And I was like, uh, well, what are you doing Tuesday? And I, and I, he's like, what do you mean? Like, what are you doing Tuesday? So he's like, I don't know, like probably working or something. I'm like, no, no, that's not what you're doing. So I'm like, try again. And then he clicks. He's like, no, he's like, you getting called up? And I'm like, yeah. So that was kind of the start. And then I called, uh, called my mom, a sister, and I actually had so much family for the first game to come down. I think eight or nine family members made it down, which wow. is crazy to think Yeah, because so many guys this year had their first game. They couldn't even have like their parents in the house oh, right. yeah. or Absolutely. their girlfriend or whatever, you know, whoever's important to them. So I had everyone there. So it was, it was awesome. But so the next morning, like we get to Iowa and I got like probably like four hours of sleep or something. And so flight, I don't know, flights, the flights at what time or whatever. And then I forgot to put a alarm on because <laughs> so, I was so excited and trying to talk to everyone. And so I wake, I, I was sleeping so kind of nervous and kind of like, so I wake up on my own pretty much on time. Like I'm not too late. Like I, I can easily make it right. Call the Uber, whatever. Start jetting down the highway. We're basically at the airport and I go, ah, oh, I forgot my hockey bag and my hockey stick. <laughs> at the hotel. Oh no. Cause they left them. They didn't put them in my room. They left them at the lobby and the way yeah. the hotels made in Iowa, the lobby's so far away from the door. I never even thought of going to the lobby and, and taking my things. So, oh. tell so what happened? Hey, man, like, I'm sorry. Like, I know, I know, but you got to turn around. We got to go back. And, and you got to, you, you got to speed. Like, you yeah. got to go fast. Like, I'll give you, I'll pay you well. Like, I don't care. Like, just make, just make it work. So I, I ended up making the whole thing. I was actually, I think it was 30 minutes in advance and I was fine, but. Plenty of time. Close from <laughs> catastrophe. Like, when I, I, what, I, slept, have... I was excited. Like, everything was going through my mind and the important things in the moment. <laughs> There's another thing you and I have in common. We have found that the, the Uber drivers in Des Moines are, are very, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I, I don't know. I can't remember this guy's name, but I owe him a lot for getting He's me a there. A hero. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of a hero. Yeah. So where, where was your first game? Who was it against? And what was your welcome? This is the NHL moment. Uh, it was in Nashville uh on um, november 19th 
I remember that because my, uh, my, uh, you know, partner, my girlfriend, wife, whatever, we don't get married in Quebec. So we don't, we don't know how to say it in English, but right. my, uh, my girlfriend, uh, her, her father uh, is passed away and that's his birthday. So it was a special oh. day for her. Oh. So, uh, yeah, I remember that. And it was, you know, crazy, another crazy coincidence. In right. Life. Right. Um, but yeah, it was against Winnipeg and it was in Nashville and uh before the game uh austin watson came up to me and he was like uh you gonna go warm up no helmet and i go i don't know am i allowed like, <laughs> right if i am i'm definitely doing it yeah <laughs> but it, it, i don't want to piss anyone off so he's like yeah yeah go for it like absolutely so and all the boys were awesome about it so you know i get on no helmet and i do the rookie lap and And that was, yeah, that was the moment where I was like, okay, this is, yeah, I made it. Like, how, was, how I was nervous. I was shaking like a leaf. Like I was just going to ask you, we saw Jeremy Davies uh, hot lap and he almost, uh, almost bit it out there by himself. That didn't, he, that didn't happen to you, obviously. No, no, I, I pulled it off pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I made sure as soon as I saw some guys stretching, You know, I was laying down. I got down as fast as I can. I'm like, I'm not risking falling down here. <laughs> no way. So, um, yeah, it went well. And, and like I said, I was nervous. But uh, I remember the national anthem being that moment where I kind of got back and really focused and I was ready to go. Yeah. Who did you play with? Do you remember? I think Watson and Sissons. Okay. Yeah, Wadi and Sissy. Got it. So, uh, and you went up, you didn't just go up for a game. I think you, did you play six games the, your first time or, uh, I played, I played eight games, eight games right yeah. in a row. So what's the feedback you're getting from the coaches up there? Well, I, I, I was doing well. Um, I think I was just a little bit timid, you know, you guys know how I, which play is so it. weird. That's weird to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. But well, you get up there and you don't want to make a mistake, right? That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and, Penalty discipline was a huge factor and, and playing like I play, you're going to take some penalties sometimes. Right. And everywhere I've played, I've always talked it out with the coach where, you know, I just want to make sure that you guys want me to play a certain way. Then if, if I get a penalty trying to do that, then, you know, am I going to get benched or am I going to play? So I had that conversation with Carl in Milwaukee and, and right away we were on the same wavelength and, you know, it clicked and obviously it worked well down there. Um, but I didn't have a chance to have that conversation with, with Peter. And I was, to be honest, I never wanted to even come close to having that. <laughs> I got to earn that conversation right away. So, um, yeah, I think I was a little bit timid in that sense. I didn't play that in your face kind of game where I have success playing that. And yeah, I think ultimately that's what, you know, brought me back to Milwaukee uh, because they needed that type of energy and player in the, in the lineup at that time. And they thought I was going to do it. And I think I did it, but not well enough. Not, and maybe not all the time, right? Like your game, it sort of ebbs and flows, right? From shift to shift almost. Yeah, exactly. And, and obviously like you gain experience as you play. So yeah, it was definitely a, a huge moment in my life and a, and a big learning step for this year which has been different. 
Yeah. So, well, the year has been different, period, right? I mean, with COVID and all of that stuff and no fans and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but to come in and you have that feeling and you play every night and uh, that's awesome. And I don't know I don't I, if it's fair to ask if you feel like you're a full-time NHL player now or it, does it feel different? Like to be up there at this moment, right? Like you don't have to walk in the locker room and look on the board and am I playing or am yeah, I not? Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, I mean, before I got injured, yeah, it was it was different. I mean, now uh, I think our line, what Trennan and Sissons and I were doing, um, really emulated what me and Jeter and Wilkes were doing last yes, year. One hundred percent. Yeah, it was kind of that identity line that you know can get the guys going and really grind teams down. And it really, I think, you know, they, they knew the value of what we did in Milwaukee and not to credit last year's success all on us. Obviously everybody was a part of it, but I think it definitely did help and, and, and created some opportunities for the, for the other guys to really do their thing and put the puck in the net. Um, so we, we did that consistently night in, night out, at a certain point and and then we went on that run for a month where we yeah. barely lost a game didn't did not lose a game as a matter of fact yeah <laughs> we didn't yeah actually yeah we didn't lose a game so yeah i think at that point i i didn't take it for granted at all but i started to realize like if we keep doing this we can definitely become a stable at this level and and do you know we can give ourselves a chance to be in the lineup every night and they and they and your, your line's got a nickname too, so it means you're definitely in, right? Like with the, you got you can't bring up a nickname line. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. There's so many I've seen. I mean, I try not to pay too much attention, but there seems to be a lot of nicknames here and there. And I think Trenny Trenny's the Yak. I think yeah, Trenny's Yak, and Sizzy would probably be the Colt. He's just yeah. Colt, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. I mean, it's cool. I mean, I, it, it's awesome that they name, they give our, you know, our line a, a nickname. And now Jeter, Jeter stepped in and has been doing great. And they call him the Ox from Oxbow. Right. So, you know, <laughs> they, they really, they really took in the, the nickname and the, the identity. animal, the identity. But it was almost in a, and from an outsider's perspective, it was a line like this. I'm talking about Nashville. It was a line like yours that Nashville really needed. It seemed like there was some, maybe some drifting at the beginning of the year where things weren't going well. I remember your first, your first goal and you should tell us about it. Uh, It was straight ahead to the net, you know, they step over the goalie and score, right? Like that's not, that wasn't happening with other guys. The people weren't going to what they would call the difficult places. And, And you guys provided that identity and that sort of, that toughness. Yeah. Like Charlie said, your first goal and not to cut you off, not to interrupt, but it was great because it was so you. And that's, I just, it was, it was awesome to see. It, it was me. And, and at the same time, it wasn't because it was a pee pee goal. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So, so it was like the, the goal itself was really a staple of my identity as a player. Just go at the net, stop, pick up the rebounds and you know create some some chances around the net but you know it it was funny that i've never been pegged in a power play guy except my last year in juniors right Uh, and then then my first nhl goals on the power play so so that that is pretty funny 
but the uh well to actually i mean how, how did you when he called your name uh when john hines says okay uh maddie where you're on the where you're practicing for the power play are you like maddie like is there another maddie well what's what i mean me you want me or what was that sort of a shock or what this is the one thing that I can't remember that well about it. I can't remember if it was just a change or, and then I, nobody was reacting. So I went or I was actually next okay. up and that was my guy, but I was not planned to be on that power. So play. You, you never practiced on the power play. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I, uh, no, I only practiced PK. Uh, yeah, right. But, uh, no, I was, uh, I think, yeah, it was at the end of this. I can't remember exactly how it transpired. I'd have to watch it again, but I think our second unit went out first. And then the first unit went out in second, which is, doesn't happen often. Right. And for some reason, someone came off and I was, our line was next and I was the one to go. And yeah, I got the goal assisted from, I think, Joey and and Yos. Right. Two, two okay guys, like not bad players, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just a crazy circumstance, and obviously going to the net and everything, and yeah, it was it, it's pretty pretty good first goal. When when you're up in the NHL, is it helpful to know to relate that these guys, almost every one of them, played in Milwaukee and have gone are going is going through what you have gone through where it's like, you've got it. There's an adjustment period to the NHL and these guys went to Milwaukee and they knew what's going on. And they, so they know the process you're going through. Yeah. And and obviously in Nashville, like they're so close to Milwaukee, like all the players basically went through, like you can count on your hand, the amount of guys that didn't play in Milwaukee. Right. Um, So I think this year, especially with all the injuries, like you think of uh, myself, Tolvi, uh, Carr, um, Davies, even Allard played his first game. Like there's so many Pit, Pitter, like there's so many guys that they stepped in and did well. Um, and I think I remember when Nashville went to the finals, um, you know, these guys had been up there for a few years, but I remember thinking to myself, like all these guys went through Milwaukee and went through the, the development and they were working like, dogs like they were the hardest working team in the league by far and they made it work and they went to the finals and I remember thinking to myself and I was telling all the other young guys this year like our identity last year in Milwaukee was we were hard working above all else we had all the tools but we were out working teams night in night out and I remember thinking to myself and and telling them like we can bring that identity here and compliment those guys because they're already guys that can do it. Right. So, um, and I think that's part of the reason why everything went smooth and we actually went on a run with, with us in the lineup, which right. was gratifying. And, and I think everyone kind of jumped on that train and, and really, you know, took pride in it. Uh, I, 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 we've been, we've kept you for a long time and we won't keep it too much longer, but I got to ask, and this is totally out of, chronological order but how cool was it for you when we played up in Laval last year to start five Frenchies right and were you were you, uh, there was one of them but there's one French guy who didn't start I hope it wasn't you because then I really just butchered it was this whole it, was, it was Goudreau because he was injured 
Oh, got he it. He wasn't in the lineup, but we would have been six Frenchies. But uh, it was me, Dauphin, Richie, Carzi, and Freddie, right? If I remember correctly. Uh, and Dave, uh, and Davies, too. Davies didn't, yeah. But Davies, yeah, Davies is from Montreal, but he didn't start right. that game. Right, right. If I, if I remember correctly. They really wanted to put out the French, French guys. Like, Davies from the West Island. Uh, <laughs> so he's English. But, um yeah, and, and the crazy thing about that start is we almost scored. Like, right, right off the bat. We went – I think we won the face-off. We went D to D to middle to Doff, and then Doff kicked it out to me. I gave it to Richie. Richie, like, I think – did the goalie make the save? I, I can't remember exactly, but I remember basically making the play, and, and the whole thing was perfect except for my pass to Richie. <laughs> which was a little bit in his skates. I don't agree with that, but he'll tell you otherwise. Uh, and he said, that's why he didn't score, but you know, take it up, take it up with him. But play was perfect anyways. And, you know, we almost scored and we actually all played really well that night. So yeah, it was, it was extremely special. And we had a lot of family in the building, all of us. Right. I can't, that, that probably was a record for the number of uh, tickets for a road game is my guess uh, that were needed. Although that probably happens all the time. Uh, for Laval because so many Frenchies come back to play. Um, yeah. I don't know if there's as many French guys in one team though. Like Milwaukee right. kind of beats the record <laughs> every year. I feel like. I, absolutely. For at least the last few years, but to your point, that's, that's sort of Nashville doing their legwork and, uh, uh, and making sure that they, uh, you know, and, and, and getting the prospects that they need. What's sort of your goal personally then for the rest of this season? Well, I don't know how fast I'm going to be back. Um, it, it's going to be down to the wire, uh, right down to the end of the regular season, whether it's a game or two left, or maybe, maybe it'll be a little bit after, but I think looking at how our line specifically is playing and, and seeing how well Jeter is fitting in there and he's doing well, nothing's going to be given. Right. right. And so, I don't know what the plan is. I don't know what, you know, the plan of the organization, the coaches or whatever, but the one thing that I can focus on is getting ready and, and ready to go when, when I'm going to be counted on. Right. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know when it's going to be or not, but yeah, we're going to have to, we're going to have to be ready for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just talk one second about, of Yakov Trenin, like this guy, not even necessarily on the ice, this guy's a character off the ice. You don't get it from like just hearing his three second answers to media questions. Uh, but he's a funny guy, right? He's hilarious. He's he, the last two years, he's made me laugh so much. And he, uh, him and Joe Hansen get into it pretty, pretty like funny in the room. Like he'll answer back to him and, and it, it's funny. And, uh, you know, Yak is such a special player in my mind where, you combine grit and size skill and skill and um, you know, the, the, I, I feel like his ceiling is, you know, limitless. Right. And and it's been fun playing with him too uh, this year. And and it's great to see him have success. When we do these, Maddie, uh, we always like to finish with when you think about your time in Milwaukee, what do you think about uh, first of all, success, um, as a team, I think what comes to mind as well is, is just the, the whole setup around the organization, 
whether it goes from the coaching staff to you guys, um, to the front office people, it's, it really is one of the best spots you could be in the American league. Uh, and that's unanimous. Everybody says that. And that's how I felt. Also, I, I loved the city and I loved uh, the state of Wisconsin as well. The way the feel of the city, the way people think the events, um, you know, Green Bay Packer games, I'm going to remember that forever. You know, either going to watch it somewhere or going to Lambeau Field. Um, Milwaukee Bucks was awesome. Like just the whole thing around, you know, the team in the city was really something special to experience for me personally. And, and I'll always cherish that uh, from my time in Milwaukee. We uh, can't thank you enough for all the time that you've given us here uh, and always have since you've been a part of this organization. Um, continued success, get well soon, and uh, look forward to the Predators getting into that playoff spot here this year. Yeah, it's going to be a, a race right down to the wire, so I'm excited to see what happens and if I, if I can get in there before it ends to contribute. So. Excellent. Good luck, buddy, and thanks for the time. All right. Thanks, guys. That's Matthew Olivier. Thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast.